Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Brandon. Hey, Brandon. You remember when country over party? Do you remember Polly Sci? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, welcome to another episode of Remember Poli Sci, and we just introduced ourselves, and we are excited to be here, aren't we, Brandon? We are excited because we have a new section of the podcast called News You Can Use! <laughs> we are going to go through a couple quick-hitting news items before oh we get God. into our long ramblings. Alex, why don't you kick us off? Well, pardon me, Brandon. Pardon yeah, that's me the, that's the first. first into flames. Is that Nickelback? What is that? I don't even know what that is. Oh, God, I don't remember, but I, I remember it was <laughs> big not, when I was in high school. It's not Nickelback. You definitely, you definitely did the Nickelback voice. It's like that, like, With over, right mascul- over yeah. uh, masculine guy, and it's cool. Yeah, okay, so pardon me. Can you take me? Oh, no, that's Creed. Uh, I'm conflating. <laughs> oh, yeah, Creed. yeah, it's fine. They're all, like, cut from the same cloth. They're but, all the same. So I, I just want to report to everyone. It's been in the news. I'm sure everyone knows about it. If you don't know about it already, you should know that there have been multiple multiple meetings at the White House regarding Trump's use of the pardon abilities and you know everyone in Trump's orbit who has done questionable things or thinks they may have done questionable things is asking for a pardon it's it's something that that Donald Trump is known to be really fascinated with this idea that he can just produce a document that says you're off the hook especially because for anything he engages, you may have done or may do or just a completely undefined pardon for just anything and and it is it is a there's legal questions about whether a like preemptive pardon would actually hold up in court like if he were to produce a pardon for Giuliani for doing something with campaign funds like you know taking a young waitress out to dinner or something and and doing something creepy it's there's some legal question as to whether that would actually be durable in court if it was a preemptive pardon like before he was charged with an actual crime and for but, people for people who are thinking of Nixon's pardon when he was pardoned by Gerald Ford nobody challenged that in court so oh my god that was a super wide pardon but no one ever challenged it dude i just have to interject really quick i heard bob woodward i think he was on cnn and he was talking about the whole nixon thing because obviously there's some overlap with what trump is doing and he painted this image of nixon in the white house on his hands and knees with spiro agnew pounding the floor and praying and being like why god to like why he was being impeached yeah it's like who (laughs) there was also like his nixon's makeup artist had to like tell him a funny joke to get him to stop sobbing when he was going to announce he was he was resigning the presidency oh my god by the way i just want to say this though like probably the biggest difference and there are a lot of similarities but the biggest difference between nixon and trump nixon had some measure of self-awareness he had some measure of shame and Trump yeah, doesn't he, have yes. that at all. <laughs> Nixon, I think Nixon still wanted to go down in history as like a good president or at least, you know, a capable one. And I think Trump does not care what history thinks of him because he's such a narcissist that he really believes he is the end all be all. So anyway, pardons. I just wanted to let everybody know there are um, some folks within the government who are trying to take, you know, preemptive action and maybe limit Trump's ability to issue these pardons. Um, and- I expect a flurry of pardons before January 20th. Absolutely. And I'm asking for a pardon from the band Incubus, which is the band that wrote Pardon Me, uh, released in 2000. That lines up pretty okay. perfectly with my right. high school memory of that song. You're, you're pardoned, Brandon. Now, next item of the day, Democrats and Republicans are moving closer to a stimulus deal. Is this good news or bad news? 
It's news. Uh, the thing that <laughs> the thing that should be mentioned is that Democrats passed a bill in the House months ago. It is was that a, called the Heroes Act? The Heroes Act. Correct. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was uh-huh. a it was a two trillion dollar bill. It included direct payments to folks. It included rent relief. It included beefed up unemployment. Uh, and Republicans had been wanting to pass a six hundred billion dollar, much smaller bill that basically only helped certain small businesses and also had something in it that provided like immunity for a legal liability, um, a protection from liability for businesses. They have now, Republicans and Democrats, have moved towards a $900 billion compromise. When you ask if it's good news, I don't know. Something is better than nothing because there are a lot of protections ending at the end of this year and people are going to get kicked out of their homes. But part of me also thinks... Yeah, the protections you're talking about is basically unemployment insurance. And if that falls apart with the way the economy looks right now, I mean, we had a jobs report last week and usually this is the season where we see a lot of hiring going on and there was a fairly large increase in the number of jobless claims, which is extremely bad news because like I said, this is supposed to be sort of gangbusters for the economy ramping up to the holidays and people hiring and spending money. That is not happening. Joe Biden called this smaller stimulus deal a down payment. Did you hear that? I thought that was a good way to put it. Yeah. And that was that's part of what Democrats are thinking is that they can do something now and be able to do more later. So anyway, yeah, keep keep tuned to see if Congress does anything at all. Um, Something needs to happen. Well, I do have a little bright spot there. There is one person who's raising a lot of money right now. Can you think of who that person might be? I can't, Alex. Who who might it be? Who's raising money? Who could possibly be using this opportunity where people are suffering badly to enrich themselves and their own family? Who could that be? Give generously to my steal the vote, protect the vote integrity campaign. Oh, man. Donald Trump has raised through various organizations, I think something on the order of 200 to 300 million dollars since he lost the election. This is absolutely unprecedented. Usually when a presidential candidate loses an election, they shrivel up and go away. Trump is refusing to do that. He has completely been able to capitalize on the situation. It is unprecedented. It is unbelievable. I'm quite angry about it, to be honest with you. I think it's a shameless attempt at uh, stirring up, you know, willing participants in his cult. But either way, I mean, shameless. I mean, is there any other word to describe this guy besides shameless? He literally doesn't have any shame. He will literally do anything if he thinks it will either enrich him or his family or give him more power. That's literally what he that's what he does. I mean, you could describe him as orange as well. I mean, there's <laughs> orange. You glad that you're not related to Trump? <laughs> Remember that stupid talking orange face meme from a yeah. while ago? I would really like to see Donald Trump like have to have that superimposed on his head after his presidency oh, whenever man. he talks on TV. Anyway, so yeah, that's another. Th- I mean, Trump is just raising a ton of money. What what is he going to use the money for? I mean, I'm nervous about this. I what what is is he do, is he really using this to pay lawyers or is he going to sit on a giant pile of cash for a super pack and launch some second win political campaign is it for his kids to run for congress what it is it literally for? might be as simple as he's raising money for himself you know he's in debt he has a lot of debt he's gonna get into legal trouble after he's out of office he's already in legal trouble in the state of new york that's something that presidential pardons can't save him from it 
honestly might just be as simple as he's raising money for himself. It could really be that simple. I really hope that's what it is. I, th- I think the bulk of the money right now is going into a pack called Protect America, which is super Trumpian. And and he's administering that pack or, you know, folks that he's put in there. So, yeah, hopefully he's just thinking, you know, when he has to go to court in New York and other states are bringing suits against him, he's just going to use the money for that. But either way, it's disgusting. Um, and he is not slowing down on his rancorous attempt to delegitimize this election at anyone's expense you know what else uh, is disgusting that trump is pressuring governor brian kemp of georgia to overturn georgia's election so i wanted to mm-hmm. hit on that too trump literally called governor brian kemp and asked him to convene a special session in georgia and to convince state legislators to select their own electors that would support trump nullifying and ignoring the will of the people in georgia this is probably criminal it's definitely impeachable and it's absolutely disgusting so yeah i mean it it's what's unbelievable about it is that the people that trump is haranguing are stalwart republicans that are you know these are conservative people and and brian kemp is just like Look, I did my job. I I have a sworn duty to uphold the office of the of the governor, and I did my duty, and that's what I'm doing, and that's what I will continue to do. And let me ask this though. I mean, so what role do presidents usually have to play in a presidential election other than just running as candidate? Are they usually involved in the mechanics of, you know, voting and the electors and Absolutely and what's not. Presented and that's the-, the thing with <laughs> With everything that's been happening, I think people are feeling a certain amount of outrage fatigue. There's been so much ridiculous stuff that's happened that it's hard to feel the level of disdain and outrage that we ought to with something like this. A sitting president calling elected officials, literally asking them if they can wipe away the will of their voters in order for them to remain in power. That is absolutely mind-bogglingly bad. Nobody ought to support that. I don't care if you're a Trump supporter. That's wrong. You should say as much. Yeah, absolutely. There, There is some indication that this is backfiring in some ways, though. There's been a number of stories flooding out of Georgia that Trump is actually dissuading the electorate, the Republican electorate there, from wanting to vote because they're talking about fraud. Well, if it, if your vote's a fraud anyway, why are you going to you know, put on your heavy coat, go out in the cold and the rain and go sit there and, and the poll line and get your vote registered when it doesn't matter anyway? So I think that's, I mean, for Democrats at least, that's one maybe silver lining of what's going on with this the um trump has some some lawyers in his orbit who are are actually saying you know people should not vote until we have things secured well what does that even mean when they're they're chasing after this non-existing voter fraud at what point are they going to declare it secured only when trump has won the state i don't think it's going to happen so you know i i kind of uh, i'm sort of sitting here with a mona lisa smile on my face sort of wondering how this is going to play out for the two gubernatorial races or the two Senate races that are going on in Georgia right now, which are obviously incredibly important. Wait, Alex, uh, we have some breaking news. According to President Trump, Kaludi Rudy, Rudy Giuliani has COVID. Your reaction? Oh, no, I, I actually I don't want any more people to get COVID, dude. I'm, I'm a healthcare provider. I, I can't be happy about it. Um, I'm not asking but- if you're happy about it. I'm asking, are you surprised? Hell no, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I, exactly. That's the why, correct reaction. <laughs> I don't understand why. Is it just because Trump had it had invested so heavily in the idea that coronavirus wasn't real? I keep going back in my head and playing over and over. 
the rallies he was he was uh, participating in in late in, in, late in the presidential election where he was saying November fourth coronavirus is just gonna go away. Let me just remind people right now that any other president would be doing nothing but talking about COVID right now. Nothing. They would not be doing anything else but attempting to address the most incredible public health crisis that has ever hit this country ever. Worse than the 1918 flu pandemic, most likely, just because of it, it taking place in modern times. We there's a there's a infrastructure in place that we could be using right now that we're not using, and it's because Donald Trump wants to talk about elect the election being a fraud, and he just can't stop thinking about that and can't stop selling that. Yeah, no, totally. And I like it's funny because when you think about covid and the people in trump's orbit who've gotten covid there have been more trump aides who've tested positive for coronavirus since the election than documented cases of voter fraud so just keep that in mind yeah it's unbelievable back back to the news you can use i wanted to mention one uh, one other thing about you know what's going on with trump's continued quest to have the you know legally conducted presidential election nullified alabama alabama senator mo brooks is going to challenge the electoral college and so there there when the when the electoral college meets and then it needs to be certified you need one house member and one senator to challenge this this has happened before in history it's never gone anywhere but i'm expecting this to happen when the electoral college convenes how do you feel about that brandon um i <laughs> how do i feel about any of this right like it's just this entire charade with the election and republicans reaction to it is just in a word disappointing i am i am disappointed uh so okay <laughs> trump since you mentioned Kaludi Rudy, and I love that nickname. So Trump keeps referring to all these hearings that are taking place. I keep listening to news clips of Trump talking about like, we've got hearings taking place all over the country. I don't think Donald Trump knows the difference between a legal hearing and a propaganda event. But the things no. that he's referring to are these news events where Rudy's going out there. He's got hair dye dripping off his face. He has various characters that he parades out there to say, you know, outlandish and unsupportable things. These are not hearings, okay? These are propaganda events. It's it's totally unbelievable what's going on. Yeah, it's it's gross. I mean, what can you say about it? Um, something else that's a little bit gross uh, and going back to Republicans, boy, it's a lot of Republican talk. Uh, at some point, it won't always be like this, but the Washington Post asked every single congressional Republican whether Joe Biden had won the presidential election. So 25 reporters reached out to all 249 congressional Republicans asking them if Joe Biden won. Alex, what percentage of those congressional Republicans do you think said that Joe Biden won the election, which he did? Uh, well, since I think that, you know, probably 100 percent, right? Yeah, sober government officials are going to accept, you know, that this election was conducted. So I'm going to say 100 percent. Yeah, that's what I would say, too. Uh, in reality, only 27 of those 249 Republicans said Joe Biden won 220 of them. 88 percent said they do not know who won the election. And two oh. of them said that Trump won. This is know. so frustrating, so concerning, so disappointing. I like I think that as we go on in episodes moving forward, I think looking more at what the kind of after effects of all of this eroding the public's confidence in our elections, what the after effects of that will be and how Republicans will angle themselves to take advantage of it. The one big one being they are going to try to pass a lot of super strict voter security and voter, you know, voter ID laws and stuff. I just want to throw out there really quickly. 
Democrats need to pivot right away. They need to coin the phrase uh, election freedom or voter freedom. Mm, they need I love to, it. Yeah, they need I, to, Is that from you? Is that did you read yes. that somewhere? Is that coming from no, you? It's, come, it's coming from me. Oh, my God. That's that's solid gold. Keep going. That's solid goldner. Like that's but that's exactly <laughs> that's what they so Democrats are historically bad at messaging voter freedom, election freedom. That needs to be a thing right now. It needs to encompass people's ability to vote. If you're a U.S. citizen and you're eligible to vote laws that make it easy for you to vote because that is your freedom on the line. That is how Democrats need to be messaging this and get ahead of Republicans who are going to try to make it harder for people to vote moving forward. Book it now. Yeah, House Report, House Republicans just introduced a bill to try and reverse a 1993 law that automatically allows people to be registered or at least be inquired about registering to vote when they get a driver's license. And they're saying that this somehow contributes to rampant fraud. But as, I mean, as this election sort of demonstrates to us, it's a lot easier to not lose an election than it is to try and overturn one. And I think Republicans are just going back to the old playbook. This stuff that Trump is trying to pull, it's very unlikely to be successful. I find it horrifying that we're going down this path because it makes it more likely that other candidates will attempt similar hijinks, you know, after losing an election. But I think Republicans writ large, they, they want to go back to just limiting the number of votes and making it more difficult for Democratic voters to vote because that makes it a lot easier. They can just, you know, win an election outright and, and say that say that it was a day and that's it. Um, I have another interesting little piece of the news here. Uh, it was like in the in the dark corner of CNN somewhere. It wasn't a big headline, but Biden is going to inherit this Trump secret server. I don't know if you remember this early on in the presidency. Huh. Trump is a very, um, we'll say, unique communicator who most likely is committing <laughs> most likely is committing crimes continuously and maybe not necessarily even on purpose. And so early on in his presidency, a lot of the communications that are subject to you know um, cat cataloging and and uh, protection because they're government communications were put into a secret server that is not generally open to the public. Biden is going to inherit this server and he's going to be able to decide if these things are going to be declassified or if they're going to keep them at this like top level of, of secrecy. What do you think about that, Brandon? What do you think? I, I, I know what you think as far as like, of course, these should be public knowledge. But what do you think Biden is going to decide to do with these, you know, knowing that Biden is coming from sort of a more centrist approach? Uh, do you mean the server itself or what might be on that server? No, just, yeah, obviously, I don't care about the actual, you know, box. Yeah, the information inside of it. Yeah, the actual physical box. Yeah, I think Trump... And his aides are probably taking a giant can of gasoline, pouring it all over every public record or record that ought to be public that would incriminate them for anything they've ever done, striking a match, throwing it over their shoulder and walking away. I have no doubt in my mind. I mean, you've seen some courts have actually filed some injunctions to prevent Trump and his team from destroying public records, literally preemptively because people know that that is what's happening. That's mm. I don't there is so much information that's going to be just gone and to our point earlier about Trump not really caring about his legacy or not really caring about anything other than enriching himself and gaining power I don't think Trump has a <laughs> very strategic mind he's a, a you've you've called him an agent of chaos he's very good at sowing confusion and discord but for stuff like this I think Trump is like burn it burn it all they're deleting stuff it's going to be gone and I don't think he cares whether or not he's held accountable for it later. He's just going to try to, you know, slither his way out and move to the next grift. So I guess my answer is I don't think we're ever going to see what was ever really stored on that. 
I really like what you just said. Slither his way out and move to the next grift. Man, that is that is artsy. That is poetic. That's literally brain. what he does. I want that on a hat. I just want that on a hat. So, okay, last thing I want to do of the news you can use section. Again, I just want to speak to this idea that we are all living in information silos. And I try to travel out of my silo. I go to various news sources. CNN, Fox, and Newsmax are telling three different stories right now. If you were to get your information from only one of those three sources, you would have a completely different worldview right now. And I just wanted to sum it up because I find it so interesting. CNN is mostly reporting on the very seriousness of uh, the very serious nature of coronavirus, uh, asking people to take it seriously, reporting on hospitals which are filling up with sick patients, reporting that things have the potential to get a lot worse. Fox News is is producing sort of like, I would say, mild right-wing propaganda. They do refer to Joe Biden as president-elect, but they do give some credence to some of the, you know, fraud claims that are going on. They report when negative stories occur, like, you know, when Trump loses a lawsuit. And then you have sites like Newsmax that are like, pedal to the metal, they will literally publish this amazing, huge lawsuit has been filed. Everything's going down in Michigan. And they'll keep it up even after the lawsuit has actually been dismissed. Like I'll go check hours later and it's like the story's still up. Yeah. So for me, it just, it shows that, you know, they don't have any sort of a commitment to actually telling people what's going on. They're very, and we know this obviously, but I just think it's important and, and I think it's illustrative to view these news sources through the lens of what is the intended effect of this information. And it's it's funny because Trump has been railing against Fox, you know, saying that, you know, their ratings are gonna go down, they're gonna, they're gonna lose all of the all the money that they were making. He was the goose that laid the golden egg, they're not in lockstep anymore, and they're gonna have to just burn as everyone moves to Newsmax and OAN. So it's it's interesting what's playing out in the media environment right now. And I think for Trump ultimately the fact that Fox has taken a more centrist viewpoint is 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 bad. I mean, it's bad for him that there's any truth whatsoever being published on Fox. <laughs> That's basically well, it. And, and to your point, Trump just said an hour ago, Fox News is not watchable in a class of CNN and MSNBC. Check out OANN, Newsmax, and others that are picking up the sack. <laughs> Even a boring football game, kneeling at all, is better. That's oh what the president God. of the United States says. Yeah, and oh to, my your, God. to your point about what these alternative news sites are doing it's propaganda that's not hyperbole it is literal propaganda and it's meant to activate people's outrage and keep people outraged it's meant to confirm people's pre-existing worldviews and biases and continue feeding those pre-existing worldviews and biases i think something you and i should talk about on a different episode is is there any legislative or political way in which America can get a wrangle on the amount of propaganda that is being pumped into people's heads, right? There used to be a fairness doctrine that only applied to broadcast TV about giving equal airtime to different sides of an issue. That seems a little antiquated. There are countries, though, first world countries, Canada, those in the EU, that have different kinds of regulations on how you can present uh, and share news because, yeah, it's uh, it's terrifying. 
Yeah, it's it's going to be a sticky wicket for a long time. I think you know we a sticky I, wicket. I enjoy the freedom what of are you thought. British? <laughs> I'm absolutely British. The the freedom of thought and the freedom of expression that we have in this country is it it is sacrosanct. But I don't know going forward. I mean, I will say I tuned into OANN and I just wanted to see what they were doing. And they had the graphics are so cheesy. I mean, it looks like it was made in somebody's basement. They have these you know second rate B actor news anchors. Who just look ridiculous in like cheap suits, and they're the the graphic that they had was this picture of Joe Biden with like his eyes rolled up in his head. He looked like he was like passing out or drooling, and the words above it said Biden, and the letters were like all cracking and falling down. And the guy was like, "Well, here we go again. You think this guy's president?" And he like points his thumb at him. He's like, "I don't think so. This guy, you know, I don't think he's fit to be president." And here's more evidence of why he's not. Uh. It's just it's so I I don't I try to put myself. I, I picture myself being an empathetic person um, who can understand the viewpoints of other people. I don't understand who's watching that crap. I mean, are these things really popular or are they only popular in Donald Trump's head? I think that they're popular. I mean, there's a large number of people and potentially growing who are disconnecting from reality and are substituting a reality of their own. And these news networks are playing a part in creating that reality and it's really really scary it's playing to the worst instincts of people it's playing to the tribalism which is just a part of human nature right that we always have to have somebody who's in and someone who's out but that's not how a society is meant to function that's not how civilization it was built or how it should be maintained and I just, I mean, it's just scary again I, I want to talk more about that on a future episode but yeah it's terrifying to say the least uh, so we're going to move to section two, and I think this is actually going to be a really fun section for you because I have this set up as kind of a game, um, and, and I think, and we haven't practiced this. I want to say this is Brandon going like off the cuff, freestyle responses to this. So Trump had, at that time, it was the first interview he had given in three weeks since he lost the election and went and put his diapers on and went to cry in the White House for three weeks. He gave this amazing interview with uh, Maria Bartiromo on Fox News. And just to sort of, um, to, as you say, set the table, you know, St. Bannon, St. Stephen Bannon has this term, flood the zone with shit with regard to winning an information war. And I think Trump, more than anyone, uh, more than anything, his skill is flooding the zone with shit. I mean, the guy is legendary at misinformation. He just is. You have to give credit where credit is due. He has no scruples. He has no standards. He has no shame. He does not care. He will go and say anything if he thinks it will earn him a buck. And honestly, he's been like that his whole life. I mean, any amount of, in quotes, success that Donald Trump has comes from the fact that he's absolutely shameless. And it's ridiculous to watch him. But... Yep. That said, I want to I want to I want to I want to go over some of the things he said at this Maria Bartiromo interview on Fox because it it was like it was very difficult for me to sit through the whole thing. I was I I believe I was visibly red. I didn't have a mirror. I was clenching my fists. I had to continually hit pause and like get off the chair and like just like stretch it out. It was unbelievable listening to the president of the United States spout this incredible line of bullshit. But, you know, I, so I think one thing that we can do is arm people with information 
you know, when when Republicans are making these accusations, we should look at them. And since he is the president, we do have to pay attention. So I wanted to go into some of the arguments that he was making. You know, the overall theme is the election is rigged, right? And so I'm I'm gonna give you some Trump quotes, and I'm gonna just let you kind of jam on them a little bit. How's okay. that sound? Yep, I'll do my best. Okay. All right. So Trump starts the interview, and I have some quotes from him. The whole world was watching. The whole world was watching this. Leaders were calling me. The powerful political leaders, and they were calling me and saying, "This is the most." messed up election we've ever seen okay do you think that happened no that didn't happen (laughs) he literally made that up nobody called him and said it was most like maybe vladimir putin that's probably (laughs) it we we literally have on the record that world leaders are talking to joe biden congratulating him again on the record for his victory what trump is describing did not happen Okay, so it didn't happen. And we all know that, you know, and in former lives, Donald Trump acted as if he was a reporter fakely interviewing himself to generate headlines. So we know that it's not below him to make up something like that. Okay, next, next, uh, next point here. The Dominion machines, the electronic machines, we have affidavits from many people, many people. They changed the votes from Trump to Biden. This is a fraud. Okay, what, what happened there, Brandon? Did they have affidavits? Uh, yeah, I mean, an affidavit is a document that it's basically saying, this is my opinion, and I swear that it's true. It's not a fact. It's not hard evidence. And if we're talking about affidavits, it's pretty funny. There was a hearing in Michigan with Rudy Giuliani, uh, and one of the people who signed an affidavit was a poll worker who sounded like they may have been slightly intoxicated, but this Republican was questioning her about the poll books and people who, you know, may have voted but weren't recorded. And they're just like 30,000 people voted for Biden that didn't actually exist and dead people were voting. And it's like, and the guy's like, uh, so we don't have any evidence of that. She's like, oh, what are you in on it too? And then later she's like, I signed an affidavit saying if I'm lying, I could go to prison. Did you do that? And it's like, those are the kinds of people who are signing affidavits. Like the word affidavit is not some magic wand that you wave and then get to change reality. So anyway, yeah, the, uh, the, the other thing too about the, the Dominion machines, they are machines that count ballots the good news like in states like georgia when they did a hand recount they had paper ballots they could reference so when they ran them through the machines the first time it came up with a certain count then when they did that hand recount and full audit and recanvas they counted it by hand and the the count was off by like 0.02 percent or something so there's there's zero evidence that electronic votes were were changed. And actually, you can thank Chris Krebs. I saw an interview with him on 60 Minutes. His goal for election security was to have as much paper backup as possible. So this this election, there were 95% of the polling places had paper backups, including all of the disputed states that Trump is talking about. So the idea that votes were changed is completely insane. And it, 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 the way that this this information is dispensed with when it goes to a court, uh, I can't remember if it was Pennsylvania. I can't remember the specific uh, case. But the judge basically just said, this is hearsay. Your affidavit says you heard from another person that this happened. That's what the affidavit said. Yeah. I heard someone talking and now I'm reporting it. Well, that's not a lie. If you heard someone say it, you could tune on OAN and hear people say things like that all the time. You can't, you can't hold up hearsay as evidence is the point. Correct. Right? Yep. 
Okay, so here's another one. I was called by the biggest people, political people. I got calls, congratulations at 10 o'clock, but then there were these dumps. I call them dumps. Massive dumps of voting. And I went from winning by a lot to losing by a little. And they couldn't do anything in North Carolina. Great place, North Carolina. But I went from winning by a lot to losing by a little. Massive dumps. Listen, the funny thing is these massive dumps... It's called urban areas reporting their votes. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And, and the, the funny part is when you look across all these states where Trump lost narrowly, less narrowly than he won by in 2016, by the way, Trump did relatively better in many urban areas, including in Philadelphia, where Trump lost ground was in the suburbs, man. So if he has a problem with these dumps, it's literally them reporting their vote. And he did better this year than he did in 2016. So if he has a problem with the dumps, he should be going to the suburbs, right? Like that's where he should be having the problems, but nope. Well, he, he tried to go to the suburbs. His strategy was law and order. He's the law and order president. You know, either I'm president or, you know, the, the gangs are going to be moving in next door. Obama wants a apartment building filled with, you know, illegal immigrants next door to your house. That was his, that was his uh, play and it didn't work. Because people look at Trump, especially college educated people look at Trump and they think, I don't want this guy making decisions. He's insane. He looks insane. The way he speaks, he doesn't have evidence for the things that he's saying and it offends people. And just to go back to the mechanics of an election, it's a lot easier if you're a Trump supporter looking for fraud. It is way easier to latch on to, wow, look at all these votes coming in all at once, rather than look at the 15 other counties where Trump lost just a little bit of ground. It's just harder to emotionally connect with that. It's easier to be outraged and emotionally connect with, here come 25,000 more votes and 22,000 of them are for Biden. Yeah, that's because Biden did well in urban areas. Like in my district here in Portland, our, uh, uh, our precinct rather, the vote for Biden was like 93 to seven, right? And that's not wow. unusual for urban areas. It's just the way I want to give, I want to give a shout out to those folks voting for Trump there and just let them know, Hey, I support your ability to support the candidate that you want to win. Okay. But okay. So did, do you believe that he actually got a call at 10 o'clock with congratulations when multiple swing states were reporting at like 70% and none of those states have been called yet? Did he get calls of congratulations? Nobody congratulated him. <laughs> Okay. He maybe maybe I I, look he may have gotten calls of congratulations from like election official or um elected elected leaders in Florida for example where it was clear very early on that he went like that yeah maybe like oh, that probably happened yeah, yeah I'll give fair. him that so I'll yeah if you want to state you get calls from them saying congratulations that they support you that's fine but and I love that, the no. comment I love the comment that in North Carolina another state that wasn't really that close but could have been close you know Trump Trump carried North Carolina. I love that he says it's a great place because he won. Yet if he hadn't won, it's an awful place in the most corrupt state in the union. Like it's just, he's so see-through the way that he approaches this. Okay. It's all so odd. Next, next point. Okay. Mail-in ballots claims there's people I've heard from many people. They got four ballots. They, you know, dead people are getting ballots and they're dead. People are applying to vote. I mean, I've heard this many times. Has he heard that many times? Well, he probably has heard it many times from his sycophants <laughs> and supporters. But again, that just didn't happen. And by the way, when you think about how votes are tabulated, like a mail-in ballot, for example, it, you can run the same set of ballots through a machine multiple times, and the tabulation is not going to change because each unique ballot has a way of identifying it uniquely. So 
what he's talking about again no surprise didn't happen um and yeah that's all you can say about it and i just want to give a plug if people are interested you know in this the Cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency which is a government agency that oversees elections you know was formally headed by chris krebs who was fired for saying also no no by its acronym cisa cisa yes cisa my little little my little sissa. Um, it, Chris Krebs, you know, who was running up that agency previously and was fired for saying this was the most secure election in history. They basically dispute and refute every single one of these Trump claims on their website. If you go to sissa.gov slash rumor control, and it's still up there. I was just going over it and it's just hilarious. It's like, this is the federal government and supposedly Trump is the head of the federal government, but he's never read his own intelligent experts uh, reports. He gets information from the ether because he's amazing and he knows the truth well i mean and by the way like if you're a trump supporter and you believe what trump says let's keep track of the number of people who are now in on this grand conspiracy everyone is so good at keeping a secret and there's no proof that we can see but it's a big conspiracy from republican elections officials in georgia to bill barr to his own intelligence agencies right like this is at this point if you believe that there was widespread systemic fraud that all favored biden and that stole an election from trump people are very good at keeping secrets first of all and second of all it includes like literally everybody in the government including people who've done nothing but bend over backwards to protect trump well, that's the next point I was going to make. He he makes this offhand comment. I don't know. Maybe the FBI and the Department of Justice were involved. How do you feel right now if you work at the FBI or the Department of Justice with the president of the United States saying something like that? You're probably used to it. I mean, there oh are so many civil servants who work at those agencies and others. At this point, they're probably used to it. Um, yeah, but it's uh, <laughs> it, I'm sure I mean, there were like our own i'm not going to name them but like we have a cousin who worked for a federal agency right and he was describing the how people were feeling morose and dispirited at the beginning of trump's term because of that level of disrespect for the work of these civil servants right and so again like at this point i'm assuming people are probably um used to it we go to the judges we go to the judges and people don't want to get involved so is that the reason that you know i I don't know what the full count is now is it 34 Five and one, you know, cases that Trump has lost in court. But no, is it just uh, because it's, he is he is one and forty four. Right oh, now. I love it! I love it. God, they're wasting so many resources. So, I mean, are judges just you know hesitant to get involved because they don't want to be heroes? Is that what's going on here? Well, no, it's because there's no evidence <laughs> to support the claims that they're making. And by the way, a, a little bit of not quite breaking news, but there was a a court there was a court case in Pennsylvania that went to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court that's asking to throw out their election. The claim is that the Pennsylvania legislature changed their no excuse absentee voting in a way that was not congruent with Pennsylvania's constitution. And what Pennsylvania Supreme Court said is, look, we are not invalidating an entire election when you had all of this time to ask for this not to be implemented from when it was passed in the legislature, from before the primaries to right after the primaries to before the general election. This is now going to be heard by the U.S. Supreme Court. But if anyone's worried about this, don't be. So anyway, yeah, there's just there's no evidence. There's no reason to believe a, that any of this there's happened. also there's a specific reason why you shouldn't be worried about it. And that's because the scheduling of that case before the U.S. Supreme Court is taking place after the safe harbor date. That has which now is, changed. That has been oh. moved up. I, but Whoa, again, really? Like, yeah. When, uh, when are they hearing it? 
Uh, it's the morning before. But oh, well, Trump, you've got something to hold on to. Let's see what happens. But that's the thing is that every time there's a scheduling change or a, a judge agrees to hear something, right? Like there was the temporary restraining order in Pennsylvania and people got all excited about that if you were a Trump supporter because they thought it meant that they were going to throw out the election. It's not going to happen. It's and, and I think it's important, too, to that specific point that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court it was a unanimous decision, and there was a—I had never seen this before. It was like a, a a dissent in agreement or something. It was basically a caveat that the chief justice said, look, like, if you want to argue that this should change for the next election, go for it. But it's ridiculous to ask for this entire election to be thrown out because of this, because you had all this time to bring it up beforehand, and you didn't. So— Trump supporters who want to get excited about this, you can, but there's a 0% chance of Pennsylvania's election going for anyone other than Joe Biden. And let me just say, you know, I've been a, not, not a cheerleader for, but, you know, a partial supporter of Justice Neil Gorsuch. Gorsuch, make me proud. Come on, dude. I've defended you. I've said that you're not that bad. Kavanaugh, you know, he can go. I think get. the most, since we're talking about it, I think the most likely outcome, if the Supreme Court in the best case scenario for Trump supporters, the best case scenario is that the Supreme Court says, Pennsylvania, you need to address this before your next election. I think the most likely outcome is they say, we're throwing this out altogether. But again, I want to repeat, there's a 0% chance that anyone other than Joe Biden wins Pennsylvania. He won. It's done. I just wouldn't worry about it. And people who are, again, Trump supporters who are getting excited about the fact that the Supreme Court is hearing this. Please don't be excited. You're going to be disappointed. It, it is It is pretty hilarious how when something like this happens, they always tweet out, huge win in our case. And it's just, and it's like disappointment after disappointment. It's like the cult leader that predicts that the world's going to end in 2002, and then it doesn't happen. You're like, okay, well, what is he saying now? We're on to the next. It's just like the, right. the energy for Trump never goes away. It's so debilitating for me, for me mentally. Okay, we're on to the next one. Um Big tech and the media, they don't want to talk about it. But the press is the enemy of the people. This is the greatest fraud in the history of our country. Is any of that true? God, you are making my skin crawl with those Trump Good. impersonations. Good. 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 That's Lord. what I'm going. That's what I'm going for. That's how I felt on that. I was listening to this at like 1030 at night and like trying to drink some like, you know, sleepy time tea and get relaxed. And it was just it was making me ill, physically. Ill. I'm glad I skipped it. Uh yeah, I, there, 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 there's a funny to the point about the media doesn't want to talk about it. There's a, uh, I follow quite a few people on Twitter. There was a reporter out of Georgia who said, look, I'm a reporter. I love nothing more than a juicy scoop. I love nothing more than to <laughs> juicy scoop. I love nothing more than to break news so big that it rattles people's eyeballs. If there was any evidence whatsoever of fraud in our state in Georgia, I would have been all over that. I would have been so happy to report that that's good for my bottom line as a reporter. There's absolutely nothing. And like that's the thing. It's like you just think about like what's the motivation of a massive conspiracy. It's the fact that we're spending so much time talking about this is really um, is pretty wild. I know, but I think it's really important. This is like I'm trying to perform the service that I 
need at this moment, which is sort of a tonic to the endless flood of bullshit that's coming out. And so for me, I had to just look at it, right? I had to like turn the cannon on myself and just just take the radiation from the from the laser cannon and just just absorb it and just feel it and, and move through it. And now you're making all of us and our listeners suffer. Alex, I'm going to cut you off. You do one more of these. There's a we've only gone through half of these. I, I need you to do one more and then we're moving on to a different topic because again, oh. I'm getting a pit in my stomach. God damn it, Brandon. I have so many. Okay. So, this- that's the thing is that I, I think your point is well taken though. When you listen to Trump talk for more than five or 10 minutes at a time, it is lie after lie after ridiculous lie that doesn't withstand the barest amount of mental scrutiny. You don't need to be an expert in elections law or anything else to know that what he's saying is ridiculous. I mean, that's the point that you're making and that it literally makes you feel physically ill if you're a reasonable person listening to this. You've accomplished your goal, Alex, so please just pick one more. Okay, this is, this is the, this actually, this is a fine place to wrap it up because this is the most, this is one that I really feel is an argument that is resonating on the right right now and needs to be addressed. Okay, okay, Joe, get that Trump voice just squirming out of there let's hear oh, it. oh i got it okay just as a quick aside these these trump supporters like that woman who, who the witness with rudy giuliani right. what's her name uh I forgot. melissa melissa carone melissa carone or something what what is up with this like dripping with like just condescension and hate voice with the sneering lips and the and the narrowed eyes why is that the way we're going to talk to each other i don't understand how this has caught on it it is ridiculous no one should conduct themselves no one should conduct themselves that way in public that's like your drunk your drunk family member at the at the thanksgiving table being indignant about whatever point of view they're trying to push on you right it's like i think it's i think it's indicative of if you're the most powerful person in the country possibly on earth that people who like you will try to impersonate you i mean look i was in community college i was watching speeches of barack obama and actually trying to copy his intonation and enunciation and his pace because i was terrified of public speaking because he was someone who's a high profile somebody who i respected right so you know just the same way as i was kind of doing a bad obama impersonation to get through my speech classes lots of people are trying to do a bad trump impersonation to get through these hearings for example it's not really actually that surprising even though it's really weird by the way, there was an Obama interview recently. I can't remember what news source, but he was asked, um, and his face, you know, Obama's such a thoughtful, calm, cool, collected person. Um, and he really kind of wears his emotions on his face sometimes. Like you can kind of see what he's thinking by looking at his facial expressions. And he was asked, uh, do you feel like Trump should have conceded on, you know, the day after the election when he lost? And Obama just, his eyebrows went way up and he was like, well, yes, of course. <laughs> it's just like he's... <laughs> It's almost like he's exhausted, like all of us, like having to deal with this and like just in disbelief that we're still talking about it. Anyway, okay, so this is this is the last one, and I'll call it. But Joe Biden did not get 80 million votes. Repeat, he did not. It's actually 81 million now. Did not get 81 million votes. I wanted to get 69 million votes, and we knew we could win with that. But I I beat all expectations. I got 70 more, 74 million votes. The calls were coming in and everyone knows that I won. Then the phony votes started coming in. There is no way Joe Biden outperformed Obama and got 81 million votes. What do you think, Brandon? Except that he totally did. And look, like, so (laughs) let's take Trump's claim at face value for a moment, if we can, which is, I know, a ridiculous thing to do. Let's say 
that every urban area in an important swing state, let's just narrow it down to two. Let's say Detroit, Michigan, and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Let's say that they had stopped reporting and had counted zero of their mail-in ballots, right? If you look at what the vote share would have been in those two cities, for example, Trump would have won those very urban areas about, you know, 65-35. Never in the history of any American election has there been a vote split like that in favor of the more conservative candidate in a more urban area, not in our lifetimes, at least, and going back even before. If you look at every election since the 2000s, Democrats win large cities, usually 80 to 20, 85, 15, 90 to 10. That's true of almost every urban area in the country. So it would be highly suspicious that Trump somehow in the most populous areas of the country made up like 50 points like that doesn't make any sense and I don't understand how his supporters can't be like oh yeah I guess they were just counting the other ballots like it's really that simple they literally were just counting ballots and reported them that's what happened It's even simpler than that with regard to what Trump is specifically trying to say, that there's no way Joe Biden got 81 million votes. Trump, I just want you to know, I know you're not listening, people hate you. People absolutely hate you, and you motivated the populace to come out and vote against you. Alex, I'm very offended by that. You vote, you motivated. In fact, I listened to every one of your shows. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that version of Trump sounds kind of like relaxed. Every one of these. And like, yeah, I mean, it, the, the explanation for this is pretty simple, right? You have an unpopular incumbent. He His approval ratings were underwater his entire tenure. Then you have a global pandemic that America had a really terrible response to. It tanked the economy. What's the number one thing that affects voters? Usually, it's usually the economy. The economy is a very good predictor of who will win a president election based on who is in power and who is the challenger. He was unpopular. The economy tanked. His response to COVID is bad. It's really that simple. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you, Brandon. Have you seen the stock market? By what measure is the economy bad when the stock market has just, it has just hit a record of a sacred number, 30,000, Brandon. So explain to me, how is the economy bad right now? I don't see it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's just, I mean, this, again, like this entire premise that because Biden did well, there must have been voter fraud is really quite dumb. We knew voter turnout was going to be high. We knew that. I think the thing that's actually more surprising, if we could step away from the Trump part of it, just as someone who's interested in elections, is how well Republicans did in a very high turnout election, because generally... When you have a very high turnout election, Democrats tend to do much better. Republicans actually did quite well in a very high turnout election. I would like to know more about that and dig in more to that. But there's just so many other things we need to talk about right now. But anyway, yeah. In my opinion, the law and order message and the Democrats are communist message, you know, the old red meat of the Republican Party, those messages were successful. I think part of what happened in this election is Trump really shot himself in the foot. That first debate, I mean, you just watched his opportunities sink. That was the most... I can't even think of a better word than shameful. And I know I've used it like 50 times this podcast, but that performance was so ridiculous and so over the top. I mean, I don't know the type of person who was on the fence that could have watched that first debate performance where Trump refused to answer any questions. Here's another thing that that we should think about. Joe Biden, after after being involved in, honestly, one of the most disgusting you know presidential campaigns with just limitless, unending attacks from Trump, Joe Biden still has a 55% approval 
approval rating right now. Trump has never breached 42% approval. Not once in his entire presidency. Joe Biden is far more popular than Donald Trump. That's why he won. That's why he got 81 million votes. Trump got 74 million votes. I mean, that's Literally not close. that simple. It's not complicated. That's not close. That's that's 7 million votes. That's not close. It wasn't close. The election was not close. Yep. Um, okay, so I, I have more of these, and I know you want to move off of them, so I'll just I'll, I'll just move on to the next the next uh, topic that I had here. I was going to go into Chris Krebs a little bit. I think we've brought him up a lot. I mean, we know who Chris Krebs was. We I think we've we've sort of I, I gave you the website of CISA. I encourage people to look at that. I don't really have a whole lot more to say about that. Brandon, how do you feel about a quick history lesson? Yeah, I mean, I've been out of school for a while, but you know, looking to get a, a post grad degree. So yeah, let's get warmed up. <laughs> Get ready to get your postgrad in history right now within the next nine minutes. I'm going to make this quick. One of the things that concerns me about what's going on in this country right now is Donald Trump is creating a giant block of aggrieved people who feel an election, a presidential election has been stolen from them. This has been a hallmark of Trump's of, of Trump's message for a long time, that he was representing the everyman, those who have been crushed by the elites. And now he's he's doubling down on that. I think a lot of us didn't expect him to go so far, but if you look at the way he has acted throughout his presidency, is it really that surprising? I mean, did we really expect Trump to just, you know, give Joe Biden a handshake and walk off into the sunset? I, I don't think that we did. Um, there, unfortunately, I have to bring up Germany and I have to bring up Hitler and I'm not making any direct comparisons between Trump and Hitler because I think they're two totally, completely different people and totally different times. And honestly, I don't think Trump has the intelligence to ever be a Hitler, I think. But I do think he shares some of Hitler's, um, ability to dispense with truth and just, you know, seek his own his own power without regard to anyone else. And I think they do share that. So I wanted to go back in time to after Germany, you know, the Weimar Republic lost World War One. I. I don't want to go into the big history of that. I think it's pronounced Weimar. Weimar, the Weimar Republic, Weimar. Uh, and it was, it, was a, it was an awful war. You know, we can look into the use of gas and trench warfare and all the just awful things that went along with it. But Germany was forced into a treaty by, you know, basically running out of the means to continue with this war, the Treaty of Versailles. And they were making reparations payment. Parts of their country were being occupied by France. And the economy was not doing very well. And there developed out of this this myth called the stab in the back myth. It's Dostolblege. I apologize. Sounds more like uh, Spanish the way that I pronounced it, but it's German. The stab in the back myth was this idea that those in power of the Republic, they sold out the country and they basically went along with these Jewish, you know, antagonists who were pulling strings behind the scenes. Trump has alluded to this, you know, Joe Biden is being controlled by dark people in the shadows. Do you remember when he said that? Uh, he said so many things, Alex. <laughs> yeah, well, I, when he said that, I was like, there's another, you know, reference to these dark people behind the scenes pulling the strings who control Joe Biden. So this stab in the back myth was basically, you know, the working class people in Germany were being fed this diet of misinformation. And it became quite popular that, you know, Germany actually didn't lose World War One. that there was no reason that they should have actually surrendered. And, you know, people who had been in the military wore this almost as a badge of honor that they never lost the war. And now they're being, you 
know, unfairly held down and unfairly made to pay reparations. And the economy got worse and worse and worse. Um, at one point, you know, a loaf of bread cost something like 200 million German marks, which means that money was essentially valueless. Right. People were bartering in the streets, you know, two sausages for a loaf of bread. Things were really, really bad. And it was into this situation that wa- that walked in Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party. Um, it's, it's an interesting time in history. And one question I wanted to pose to you is what made Trump's, the, the, some of the people, not everyone, I mean, some people voted for Trump rather pragmatically because they wanted better tax laws or, you know, they wanted to pay less taxes. But the base of Trump's support, those people who feel angry and aggrieved, what was it about the American economy that led them to feel that, in your opinion? I mean, you're coming out of the greatest recession in our generation, right? Where you have Obama taking office, right? As the recession's getting really bad. And so after eight years, even though the economy had improved, there were still tons of people, especially baby boomers who had been laid off, who may not have been able to find work after that. And also the economy in America has been changing for a really long time. So a lot of jobs that maybe don't require a college degree, for example, manufacturing jobs. Uh, Those jobs left and are probably never coming back. And so it is into that, like when people talk about, well, it's not just racist people who support Trump, right? It's not just people who don't like immigrants. It's people who are also like economically strained, right? Uh, it's, It's that's the backdrop to, and those are the kinds of the people that Trump spoke to, right? Basically saying... The fact that you may not have a ton of money right now, may not have a job, it's not your fault. It's their fault. Them being Democrats, them being immigrants, them being Barack Obama, right? It's not your fault. It's their fault. And I will fix it for you. That was basically right. Trump's message. And it was it was the same sort of environment that Adolf Hitler jumped into. So there were there were some Nazi individuals in power. The Nazi party was a small part of the government at that time. And Hitler started to coalesce folks around him who wanted to overthrow the government. So in 1923, there was this instance called the Beer Hall Riots. And Trump essentially led some Nazi party guys into this beer hall. In those days in Germany, and probably today too, as far as I know, probably not with coronavirus restrictions, but maybe in better times, people People would drink beer in these giant halls, hundreds of people, beer steins, just enjoying the day. So Hitler marched into one of these where he knew there were three important heads of state. He jumped up on a table, he fired a gun into the air, and he started spouting his bullshit. And people listened. I mean, not a lot of people actually knew who Adolf Hitler was at that time. And they were just sort of like, who is this guy? He started talking about how they were aggrieved, how, you know, they they were the forgotten people. They were the people that were the best. They deserve to be at the top of the hierarchy. There's all these people holding us down. And he was somehow able to convince these three heads of state to go along with him and attempt in an overthrow of the government. And he also lied. He said, this building is surrounded by 300 men. There's a machine gun in the lobby. We've occupied the city. And so, and you know, in those days, nobody had phones. They weren't texting like this is utter bullshit. So they were kind of swept Wait, up. They didn't in have it. Twitter in the 1930s? No, no Twitter. They had the tin can and the string out the window, but it was down because it was raining and there was so much water and rainwater collected on the string. It wasn't <laughs> conducting any voices. Dang. So Hitler thought, okay, I got this on lock. And he went out, he went to another beer hall to do the same thing. And while he was out, the three heads of state were like, this is bullshit. We're not going along with this. And they left, they left the beer hall. So when Hitler came back, he's like, let's take the city. 
And the guys were gone, and he said, well, forget it. We're going to do it anyway. And they started to march on the Capitol building in Munich. And they got through one police blockade, couple shots fired. They got to the next police blockade, and they basically were overrun. 14 Nazis died. A couple of police officers died. Hitler you know, crawled out through the gutter and ended up running into the countryside and hiding. And he was later arrested and he was actually put on trial for treason. Did you know this? I didn't actually know this. You know, tr- he was, he was caught and he was tried for treason. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, I knew, I didn't know all the details of it though, how it came to be. Yeah. And, but this is where the story gets really interesting. So Hitler at this point was fairly little known a little bit like, you know, Donald Trump has his TV show, but what really gave Donald Trump the edge in 2016 was all the free media coverage. I mean, there's been estimates that he got billions and billions of dollars of free media billions coverage. Billions and billions. Hitler was able to do the same thing with this trial that that Im, that was embarked upon his his treason trial. So there was a there was a nationalist judge who was somewhat sensitive to Hitler's arguments who sat on this trial and he allowed the defense to basically make all of their uh, arguments and Hitler's orations public. And so Hitler was basically giving these speeches to the German people. And uh, there was a there was a comment that from some historian that one of the judges had said, what a tremendous chap, this Hitler. These were incredible speeches, you know, filled with hyperbole and nationalism and making the people feel proud. And this was a dark time in their country where people felt awful and, and Hitler made people feel good. You know, they made people feel like there was an enemy that that they could go against. And so Hitler became There's a simple explanation that explained why they weren't doing as well as they thought they should be doing. Exactly. And he became a national public celebrity, right? Um, he ended up going to jail. Hitler did go to jail for treason. He served, he should have served, you know, maybe 15 years. He served nine months. He later remarked that this was free education at the state's expense. He wrote Mein Kampf, you know, his famous Hitler book <laughs> that I haven't read. Famous Hitler book. Famous autobiography. His struggle, and, by the way. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, his struggle. And and the Nazi party, you know, following his imprisonment, gained many, many seats within the government. And Hitler became more and more powerful, eventually becoming chancellor in 1933. And I, I don't like to, you know, I don't like to directly compare Trump to Hitler or really any politician to Hitler because it's kind of a cheap shot. But I got to say, there's some historical overlap here with the way these two men, you know, willing to say anything, willing to shirk the, you know, traditional rules that are put in place, you know, came to power and used their celebrity and used their charisma to solidify power. The other thing that Hitler remarked following this was that he learned the way to get power wasn't through, you know, violent means. It was through using legal means, legal mechanisms. And that's how he eventually positioned himself to become the Chancellor of Germany in 1933. It was 10 years later. So my parting thought on this podcast today is what is going on with not just Donald Trump, but because he's old, but the Trump family here. Do you think that after Trump leaves, and I, I do believe Joe Biden will take over as president, do you believe that the Trump family, you know, Don Jr., Eric, Ivanka, you think they're going away, Brandon? So this is a complicated question for me. And I think that when we look back at what I'm about to say in a couple of years, it's be like, well, why didn't he see this happen before? Because there is so much legal trouble that this family has gotten into 
Um, their ability to protect themselves and stay immune from prosecution is going to go away when Trump is no longer in office. I think there's a very real possibility that this family is not particularly powerful, is not respected, and doesn't really hold the political sway that some people think that they will moving forward. I think it's very possible there's a future in which people look back on Trump and and basically say, I can't believe this guy ever had power in the first place. Like, it's insane that this family ever had power in the first place. Having said that, there's also a different future in which these people are not held accountable, in which they do retain their political power. And you see people like Don Jr. or Ivanka run for office successfully. From where we're sitting now, it's very difficult to say which of those futures will come to pass. You kind of hope it's the first one. You kind of fear it's the second one. But I, it's real. It's really, really hard to say right now. Um, I think it's, I actually yeah. love that answer. I mean, you sort of empower the audience here. What happens is really up to us and how we respond to what's going on. I mean, I, I, Trump just has raised an incredible amount of money, and you know, they have made made moves to try and take over the RNC. There were discussions about Don Jr. and his screechy girlfriend you know, taking the reins at the RNC, you know, permanently embedding the Trump family in the outcomes of elections and one of two major political parties in this country. It's totally unbelievable. Um, the other the other thing, too, when we look at kind of the, the future of what happens and specifically looking at all these claims of election fraud, there have been so many court cases in so many different states at different levels of the courts, from district courts to circuit courts to state supreme courts. There has been a lot of precedent now set for some of these claims. Again, we mentioned earlier that Trump and people who support him are 1 and 44 in court. I think that actually may be something very important moving forward where it's possible that our country will be left slightly more resilient to stuff like this moving forward because it's been tested and the system held. It's also possible that it's been weakened and it's we're on very shaky f- footing right now. Again, that's something else where, from where I'm sitting now. It's kind of hard to look into the future and predict what's going to happen, but that's also possible. You know, when I get wistful and I need to look into the future, I always have a certain song go through my head and it sounds a little like this and if you enjoyed this conversation today you can check us out at rememberpolisci.com that's remember p-o-l-i-s-c-i.com we appreciate all of you please find our podcasts on apple Podcasts, google play stitcher spotify anywhere where you get your podcasts that's where you can find us uh and yeah i just appreciate alex talking to you it's always a ton of fun and i'm assuming that that meant that you were ready to end the podcast yeah it absolutely did yeah we're trying to go for around an hour now you know just to let you guys in behind the scenes and honestly we could go on and on and i'm looking forward to doing this again next week brandon it's always amazing you know to to just see where we'll go with these conversations because we have just sort of a rough outline of what we're going to talk about but it's always sort of off the cuff and i feel like we we do we do end up hitting the nail on the head a good proportion of the time i'll i'll say 88 percent of the time (laughs) oh my goodness well okay until next time i appreciate all you alex appreciate you too and thank you for listening Boom. Cut. Cut.